This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy Woo! and sadness oh. and anger. Ah. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. Ah. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. Ah. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 161, and we are recording on Tuesday, September 5th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Kendra Winchester, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Kendra. How are you doing? It is September. It is September. It's still <laughs> hot. Doing okay. I love back to school season, so... Yeah, I, I, would, I would probably appreciate that more if I was still in school. <laughs> but yes, it it does it does still have that that special feel and there is a part of me that still, you know, wants to run out and like, you know, like stock up on Lisa Frank notebooks and stuff like that. Oh my goodness. Look, as soon as they have Lisa Frank notebooks back, <sighs> I will be here for it. But in the meantime, you and I both love planners. Mm-hmm. I I I enjoy them more than I actually use them. <laughs> in reality but i do enjoy a good a good planner you know what was funny is i used the the new york public library student planner for all through undergrad and grad school and then i used the moleskin like weeks for a while and i didn't it was fine i like alice in wonderland i always got their alice in wonderland one but i discovered hobonichi this year and it is everything i've ever wanted in a planner and so I've been following the release all through August. They did like a release a day. And then when it launched on September 1st, one of the covers sold out within half an hour. Oh, jeez. It was. And, and these covers, you understand, are like $40 covers. You're not even buying the book. And I'm like, my stars. And like, you don't need a new cover per se. You just buy the new insides, right? Mm-hmm. I just love it. I love this sort of weird fandom <laughs> that I am happy to be a part of. So, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, yeah, I'm very much the type of person I will appreciate a well thought out planner that someone else makes. I will think about, boy, wouldn't it be nice if I had my life together enough to where I could create and use something like that? I think planners for me are about promise or maybe not promise, but like hope <laughs> someday I will be organized and creative and artistic enough to carry around this little work of art with me. And yeah, I have since tried to at least not downgrade, but like reset my expectations to functional. <laughs> if I can find something that is functional, that will be fantastic. Um, I have possibly lucked or not lucked out, but I may have found something. It's, it's an, uh, an online version and it is not artistic, but it has been it has been very functional over the last few weeks in terms of trying to keep me organized at work and planning out my work week. Um, it's called Amazing Marvin, and it is and once you get past the paid subscription, it is quite it is expensive, but it has more functions and more usability that reflect how my brain works than almost any other tool that I've used. And so I've been kind of playing around with that at work to organize all of my projects and subtasks and stuff and, and color coding things the way I was color coding them in my print planner. I was using color coded pens and it has worked, but I need something more flexible as more projects keep getting added to my plate. So I'm like, maybe I can use the print ones for like notes and more creative type of stuff. And then the functional stuff can be online. But yeah, I envy anyone who can use a planner or design a planner without tearing their hair out. Yeah, you know, I think that's always a great thing about planners when they work the way your brain works. And we've had many discussions of being neurodivergent and just really needing something that works with your brain instead of against it. Mm -hmm. And so that's the joy of planners. You could just figure out what works for you. And I know a lot of people who use several planners to plan their life, like one work one and one personal one and so on and so forth. So 
Um, I'm more of a like everything in in one kind of person, mm-hmm. um, but I do have a positive memories itty bitty hobonichi that I put <laughs> like your phone photos. I just print them off and stick them in. Anyway, I'll spare everyone the details. This isn't a, a planner <laughs> podcast, but it's also how I plan my reading. So, well, look at that segue. Um, Game I I, I, have, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yeah, I have not. I have really fallen out of planning what I'm going to read next. It's more just kind of stumbling into, oh, crud, what do I need to speed read in the next four days? That being said, most of my reading time the last couple of weeks has been spent talking or reading the books that I'm going to be talking about later in the episode. But my hold came in for Happiness Falls by Angie Kim. And I mentioned this as one of my most anticipated books for the second half of the year. I loved her first book, Miracle Creek. It was the best book I read in 2019, and I'm so happy that she has her second book coming out. And I really need to jump on that because I'm pretty sure there's we've we've got a holds line building up for this one, and it will not automatically renew when I uh, if I fail to finish it by the end of the two week checkout. So. Yeah, I am going to, uh, I'm going to have to jump on that post haste. But uh, what about you? Have you been been reading anything uh, interesting or relevant? Yes, I, uh, in the last week, read uh, the two books for today that I'll be talking about. And I also got a copy of Happiness Falls. (laughs) I met Angie Kim at a book event in the summer of 2019. It was my last big book event before the pandemic. And she is just a lovely, just kind person. So I'm so excited to support her. I accidentally hit my head on a shelf at Costco. (laughs) And uh, as someone who's prone to migraines already, I was like, I deserve a reward. So I picked up (laughs) a copy of Angie Kim's book and I'm very excited about it. So (laughs) I rewarded myself every time I injured myself. Oh my goodness. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you know, I try to keep it small things. Like I usually have like stickers or pens just, you know, tucked away. But this was a very uh, high enough pain threshold. I was like, you know what, (laughs) we will make an exception today. And I felt very ridiculous being surrounded by middle aged white people at Costco, who saw me clutching this book to my chest for dear life. (laughs) And I have like this baseball hat on and my sunglasses on inside. And I just I just it was like, you know, I accept that I look strange right now. Oh, my gosh. Well, I was going to say just a quick side tangent. That reminds me of actually, yeah, that in the winter of 2019, like or like late fall, I um, slipped and really hit my head oh. on the ice um, in our parking lot. Ouch. And Ouch. I was I'm walking to the car. Uh, to go to work. And instead, I called my husband from the parking lot, like, hi, can you come, uh, come help me in? I think you need to take me to the hospital. Um, and I was I was fine in that I didn't have a concussion or anything serious. Um, but I stayed home that day. And that was also the day that Disney Plus released. Like, oh. so I spent the day watching, watching like Disney Channel original movies. This was not planned. I did not try to purposely give myself a near concussion so I could stay home and watch Disney movies. But that's how it ended up working out. And I'm not, I wasn't too upset about it. It's it's like the, uh, the TikTok sound. It's like a reward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do not recommend um, hitting your head hard enough to where you have to go and get a scan at the hospital. Oh, that that is an expensive klutz moment for sure. Yeah, an, exp- an expensive day off of work. Anyway, uh, you've got you've got a little little TBR pitch for us, don't you? Yes, yes. So we want to tell you about TBR. TBR is the tailored book recommendation service from Book Riot, and they have two uh, levels that you can subscribe at. You can get actual books in the mail, or you can just pay for the actual recommendations and you can go find them at your library or maybe, um, you know, at your bookstore, etc. And so this is where you fill out this profile, your likes, your dislikes, and then like what you specifically looking for. So you might be like, I want a cookbook, you know, about Appalachian cuisine or whatever. You can put, you can be as specific as you like or general as you like. You can talk about, I don't want any books where the dog dies. And your bibliologist will look at your profile and then recommend books for you. Um, and this is once every quarter. So I really love this service. I've bought it for people in my life. 
and they really enjoyed it. And as a bibliologist, I did hundreds of orders. And it was always a fun little challenge to try to find something that that person specifically um, liked. And I also got to, you know, recommend my favorite books. I recommended David Joy and S.A. Cosby dozens of times. No surprise, but... (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, and now you're on a podcast where you can do the same thing. I do. Yes, I do the same thing. I just switched switch jobs a little bit. So if you would like to go check out TBR, you can go to mytbr.co and sign up today. Um, And that, of course, will be linked in the show notes. Let's take a quick pause for our first official sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books for Young Adults. From number one New York Times bestselling author Jennifer L. Armentrout comes a book I have to tell you about. It's Half-Blood, and it follows Alex and her mom who have spent years on the run from The Covenant, a school where their pure descendants of gods hone their powers and half-mortal teens train to kill demons for them. When her mom is murdered, Alex has two options. She can become a servant for the pures or work twice as hard to catch up in her training. The second option seems easier, but it gets a little complicated, you see, when pureblood Aiden becomes her personal trainer. So falling for Aiden isn't her biggest problem, surprisingly. As demons close in, she must fight to stay alive, even while others around her are dropping dead. So again, Jennifer L. Armentrout does the thing when it comes to romance, fantasy, adventure, all those things. Other books are Blood and Ash, A Shadow and the Ember, all those good things. Make sure to check out Half-Blood by Jennifer L. Armentrout. And thanks again to Bloom Books for Young Adults for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by World Editions, publisher of Salamalik by Khaled Alasmail. In this unflinching story about Arab masculinity and homoeroticism, Farat, a Syrian in his early 20s, visits Sibki Park in Damascus, one of the city's most popular cruising areas. There he learns about the Hammam's secret meeting places for gay men located throughout the old city. So inside these public baths, the air is thick with the scent of bay laurel soap and naked men hide in the steam. Ferd faces sometimes violent disapproval from all levels of society, regime, religion, the man in the street, you name it. And yet he manages to find the love he's been seeking just before his world collapses and he's forced to flee. Find out more about Salamlik by Khaled Alasmael, translated from the Arabic by Larry Price at IndiePubs.com slash products slash Salamlik. That's S-E-L-A-M-L-I-K. And thanks again to World Editions, publisher of Salamlik by Khaled Alasmael for sponsoring this episode. All right. So if you are a new listener, welcome. We are uh, we are delighted to have you. And if you are a longtime listener, welcome back. We are also delighted to have you. We're delighted to have everyone listening to us. And like we said at the top of the show, we talk about mysteries and suspense and thrillers and true crime. And I mean, j- honestly, just about anything that can be considered mysterious or suspenseful. There's a broad range of stuff that we like to talk about on the show. This is always the part of the episode where we put out a call to our listeners to let us know if you have any suggestions for upcoming episodes, because they really, truly do help us plan out future episodes and figure out what would be interesting for people to listen to. So whether it's subgenres that we haven't explored much, you know, just a trope or a theme, like, you know, maybe about female serial killers, or locked room mysteries, or I mean, the ideas are endless. You know, we talk about awards, we talk about true crime updates, we talk about film adaptations, and there's just there's just so much to explore. So like I said, it's a great way for us to know what you the listeners would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons. It's been a really great, uh, worked out really well over the years. So if you have any ideas or suggestions, you can shoot us an email or reach out to us via social media. We're going to have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes. So don't worry about trying to get everything down now. We just put out the call at the beginning to get the creative juices flowing while you listen. 
And even if you don't have an idea, just want to say hi, that is also fantastic. We really do love hearing from our listeners. And if you haven't already and you have enjoyed listening to us, uh, hop on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review so that other people can find us. So there hasn't been a ton of mystery-centric news recently. And that I, we find that it kind of ebbs and flows. And especially with with all of the Hollywood strikes going on, there isn't much in, the, in terms of big adaptation news um, or anything like that. So... Um, well, I was going to say, there, I saw one ooh. that I just remembered, and it's that Scorch Grace, the lesbian nun, chain-smoking detective. Punk rock nun, yeah. Right? So she is getting a sequel. So I'm... So excited. Yes, I do remember <laughs> seeing that recently. That book is Blessed Water. And I think I, I do remember seeing this when it, seeing it on Twitter or something. I think it comes out sometime. Is it next year? Yes, in March. Uh, right now, it's March 12th. March 12th. Okay. So yeah, the author is Margot Duahi and um, Scorch Grace was her first book, which we talked about multiple times on this podcast which has the cover looks like stained glass and it's with the yeah the lesbian chain smoking punk rock nun in New Orleans and blessed water is going to be the second book in the series so um make sure to put that on your radar and we'll have we'll have a link to to that title in the show notes so yeah good i was going to say good memory <laughs> you know sometimes it kicks in and I'm very happy about that. It, it wakes up every now and then. <laughs> All right. So for this episode, it's actually, I think, kind of a continuation of our last episode where we talked about books that we had that have come out this year that we've been meaning to get to, but had not read yet. And this episode, we're looking past or uh, before this year, books that we've been meaning to get to for even longer. And have not yet, which, I mean, my Goodreads list is like over a thousand books long and needs to be pruned down. But, okay, so like, how did you, Kendra, pick your two books that you've been meaning to get to, but hadn't until this point? Because, I mean, that's just like every Velocireader's state of existence. (laughs) Well, I have running TBRs everywhere. Like I have genre TBRs and I just have lists and lists. And recently I've been going through my TBR and culling books. So I've looked at most of my TBR at this point fairly recently. So I had some top contenders immediately that came to mind. And so I picked two of my top five. And I think one of them was definitely number one on the list. And so I finally read this book after years of waiting. (laughs) Uh, for no apparent reason. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, my yeah. I I just look at my bookshelves at home, and I mean, I well, probably about seventy for seventy five percent of the books that I own, I have not read yet. Um, I've been meaning to. They've been highly recommended to me. They very much fit within my interests, but have not yet read them. So yeah, for me, it was. Part of it for me was thinking about, okay, which books have the patrons at my library been really excited about and I haven't read yet? Because they always, they always ask, oh, have you read this book? And I always go, <laughs> I always pull out the no, but I've seen it. <laughs> or my version is no, but I'm aware of it because I ordered that for the adult fiction collection. <laughs> um, so I'm in those types of transact those types of conversations the the conversation and the connection with the person is what matters it doesn't so much matter whether or not you've read the book but if you can share in their excitement or you know participate in the conversation that's ultimately what's really important but it was getting a little embarrassing <laughs> like every time they bring a book to have you read it yet i'm like no it's on my list or nope i really should yeah so i did a little bit of that and then i also kind of went back through my uh, through my memory, and I'm like, there are so many like book riot favorite authors or books that I have not yet read, but I keep hearing about them and coming across them in so many lists and newsletters and podcasts and Slack channels for for book riot contributors. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of I uh, picked one that my pa- that our patrons are super excited about, and then I picked one that book rioters have been really excited about, and I had not read either of them. <laughs> 
And, you know, there are so many options. And that's something that I'm trying to do more is read more backlists because my job is working with front lists. So I don't get a chance to read classics or older books or whatever. One of the books I'm talking about today is from 2003. Mm -hmm. So a very random time. And I was like, when else would I read this? Plus, it's getting into spooky season. Well, I'm. I was gonna say, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you kick it off because this is also one of my favorite books <laughs> of all time. Yes. So I'll start with my first pick, and that is The Good House by Tanana Reeve Du. And this is from, like I said, 2003. And I love creepy houses. That's basically my favorite little setup for horrors and thriller books. And you will see that again here shortly. Um, but for this book, this is a hefty book. This is like over 20 hours on audio by Robin Miles' narration. Brilliant. So we start out with this creepy house. And there's like this little intro. It's the 1920s. And this tiny town in the, I believe it's like the Pacific Northwest or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a mudslide. And like this child is like nigh unto death and they call this woman and she's a black woman married in a common law marriage with a native man. And so she's kind of like not really welcome, but like they are desperate. And so that sparks this whole thing so that we go forward in time and we meet Angie, who is that woman's granddaughter. And she comes back every summer to her grandmother's old house. They call it the good house in the neighborhood because it's one of the only houses to survive the mudside. And we meet Angie on July 4th. Uh, She and her husband, who she separated from, have kind of rekindled things this summer. And so they are with their son in the house and they're about to go to this party. And then something terrible happens. And then we jump forward in time again to see Angie after that terrible incident and what's going on with her. And man, from the first chapter, I'm sucked in. I'm just like, uh, was was that your experience reading it as well? Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That book was so evocative and just mesmerizing. Like, yeah, I just, oh, all of the amazing words to describe this book. It is the I would say one of the best creepy house books I have ever read, and I've read a lot. <laughs> yes, there's like this clawed bathtub in an upstairs bathroom. There's this creepy like walnut tree sitting in the front yard. And so after the bad thing happens, Angie is a agent in Hollywood. She's a talent agent. And so she takes her biggest client, who's an up-and-coming movie star, and takes her to this house to kind of deal with whatever emotional thing she needs to decide whether or not she's going to sell the house. And then the Hollywood starlet's dog goes missing, and that's never a good sign (laughs) in a horror novel. Uh, (laughs) um, There's some flashbacks. We get to know Angie's past and trying to avoid spoilers. Like, it's very spoilery. That's why I'm telling you, like, almost nothing about this book. Aside from that, it's so good and so creepy. There's, like, this malevolent spirit, and it's not happy. Uh. (laughs) But it's... It's so well written. The characters, mm-hmm. like I just, I just remember just feeling so connected to all of those characters, and it was just mesmerizing the first time I read it. And in fact, one of my, well, I can't remember exactly when I wrote it, um, but one of my slightly earlier articles that I wrote for Book Riot when I was primarily writing articles was how I could not find a print copy of this book at any bookstore that I went to ever. (laughs) Like I wrote this whole article about this was my great white whale of book buying. Could not find it. I mean, yeah, I could order it on the internet, but that takes the fun out of it. And like, I don't know, like three or four years after I wrote that article, I found a copy. And now I'm finding them more regularly as uh, horror sections expanded. Like I found a copy at Barnes and Noble the last weekend. And I was just like, well, where were you like six or seven years ago? So I did end up catching my great white whale, but I do need to reread it again. It's so good. I remember when I joined the podcast and I talked about how Gwen, when she was a puppy, destroyed my first like hardback edition copy of it. <laughs> and I 
I was so upset. Dylan destroyed an out-of-print Tamara Pierce novel. So, I mean, they all, they each, you know, have a, a strike against them. But I bought another copy, but it's not, it's it's also an original hardback, but it's not in as good condition as the other one was. And I'm just, so I keep them both because I don't know what to do with them. So they just sit there and remind me that Gwen, at least, she might be a wild child, but she has at least learned not to chew on books. Oh, yeah. And I remember you told me about that. And I was just mm-hmm. like, my heart just broke. I, uh, I'm like, do you know how many years I've spent looking for that book? I have a paperback copy. I would love a hardcover, but that that would take a small miracle, I think, to come across a hardcover copy out in the wild. And in good condition, that's not an ex-library copy. Like I that know. was, like, I feel like it was a hunt online. So that's like my favorite, like going on the hunt is trying to find original hardcovers of books I really love. Mm-hmm. So anyway- all that to say, I love The Good House, and you all should definitely go read it or listen to it again. Robin Miles, 2000, circa like 2003 or whenever it was produced, is amazing because, you know, a lot of books around that time did not get such a great treatment mm-hmm. for audiobooks. Like they were hard to find, and it's unabridged. It's a long book, unabridged. Just go listen. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my first pick. What's your uh, first pick? So my first pick, um, I'm going to start with the one that our uh, patrons have have really loved, um, but I had not read yet. um, And that is The Maid by Nita Prose. And this came out, I think, about a year and a half ago. Yeah, it came out in January 2022. It won uh, Best Mystery and Thriller for for the Goodreads Choice Award. It was nominated for an Edgar. It was a Good Morning America book club pick. Like, we could not keep this book on the shelf. And I hadn't read it just, I mean, just for, I mean, lots of reasons, but it is definitely on the cozier side of what I tend to read. And that actually was another reason why I picked this for this episode was to branch out and read something less scary, Katie. Um... (laughs) So yeah, this book was interesting in that I, I I listened to it on audio. I think it works really well on audio. I did a lot of uh, useless hyper-focusing over the weekend while listening to this audiobook. So it, it definitely kept my interest. So the premise is we have Molly Gray, who is a maid at, uh, I think it's the, the Regency Grand Hotel in an, an un- unnamed city. And Molly, it's not uh, specified at any point in, during the story, but uh, based on her narration, her descriptions of herself, um, her interactions with other people, it's pretty clear that she uh, is likely on the autistic spectrum, just based on, you know, how she she takes things very literally. Um, she has, she talks about her challenges with communicating with, with other people. So that in and of itself was is not something you see in a lot of books and it makes for a very it makes for a very different reading experience because you the reader or the listener like she's describing these things that she she works as a maid in the hotel she loves her job and there is a man uh Mr. Black who is a very wealthy businessman and he and his second wife stay in the hotel a lot. And Molly knows that he is, he is not a good person or a good egg. She calls everyone who refers to them as a good egg, a good egg or a bad egg. And he, uh, she goes in to clean his room one day and she finds that he's dead. And before she knows what's happening, you know, she's caught up in this investigation and then ultimately uh, is suspected of killing him for various reasons. And you get pieces of how this kind of, like, how she ended up in this situation. And, like, there's a, there's a uh, she has a, fla- or a flashback where she recalls being asked by a, empl- a fellow employee of the hotel. He, she walks in on him and several men uh, in a hotel room and they are clearly... Like, as the reader, you're looking at that going, it's like, okay, they are clearly doing something with drugs. Like, that's that's what's happening. Molly does not realize this. And so she's, you know, just not aware of what's going of what's going on. She's she is taking things very much at face value. Um, like there's there's like a uh the dresser top, and she thinks, oh, they're eating they've they've been eating powdered donuts in here. 
because there's white powder <laughs> on it. Stars. Yeah. So it's a very unusual type of thing because as the reader, you're going, oh, no. And I have read some reviews from readers that didn't like this, either just for that fact or other people who felt that the author's portrayal of a neurodivergent character or character with autism is, is not accurate or is just way overplayed and just not accurately done. So there are some, some readers that had that perception of it. But on the whole, it's a, it's a story that is like, there's a mystery there, but it's really about the characters. And the, like, it really, even though the mystery is driving the plot forward, it's, it is kind of secondary to Molly, how she gets through the world. Her grandmother, who she lived with and who essentially raised her, um, passed away about like less than a year ago. So she's trying to navigate the world without her grandmother there to help her. And there's, there's lots of, there's lots of characters. There are really sweet moments in there. Um, there are some moments like there's a secondary character, um, who is, um, who's Hispanic. He is on, or he does, his work permit runs out. So he's not fully, you know, authorized to be working at the hotel. And the portrayal of his character, that's, uh, that was one of the flaws that I was, wasn't a fan of in the book. Uh, it felt very simplistic, but the, it's it's a flawed book, but I can I can definitely see why people are drawn to it. It was an entertaining read. I can see why it was so popular. Um, it's not. I mean, I don't know that I'll be reading the second book in the series. I'm glad I read the first one, especially now because I can relate to my patrons um, who have read the book. If they're like, "Have you read this one?" I can say, "Yes, I have read it." <laughs> yeah, I think it has things to offer. I think it has things that that could be improved. But yeah, it was it was an interesting one. Um, so Kendra, I know you talk about doing like a lot of front list type of stuff. Did you read this book when it came out? I have not. I saw so many people love it though. And so I think this is a really interesting conversation because I think, you know, it's, it's important that we have conversations about these popular books. And as, as my mom always says, you know, eat the meat and spit out the bones. So <laughs> like we can still appreciate a book while also acknowledging like, Hey, they could have done, they could have done better, you know? Yeah, it's it's an interesting it's a, definitely an interesting title and I am I'm glad that I read it. And it was like I said, venturing outside of my comfort zone in a very weird way, like reading cozy sweet things is like outside of my comfort zone. But yeah, so again, that was The Maid by Nita Prose. And before we jump into our second picks, uh, let's go ahead and take a pause for our second sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Disney Books. Do y'all like Caribbean mythology? What's more, a thriller inspired by Caribbean mythology? If you do, I got something for you. A must-read thriller that draws from the darkest corners of Caribbean mythology from acclaimed author Sarah Das, who crafts a chilling tale of magic, murder, and how far we'll go to protect what's ours. It's perfect for fans of Angeline Bully and Tiffany D. Jackson. So, unlike other people on the small island of St. Virgil, Selena Da Silva does not believe in magic. She has a logical mind. She likes botany. She wants to study pharmacology. But then her mother gets sick and she's tethered to the island and she has to make money. So what does she do? She cons a couple gullible tourists with these useless talismans and phony protection rituals. But then one of the tourists ends up dead and at the center of a strange string of murders. And the truth Selena has been denying can no longer be avoided. There is evil lurking in the forest that surround St. Virgil. Now to find out what that evil is, make sure to pick up It Waits in the Forest by Sarah Das. And thanks again to Disney Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Four Eads and a Funeral by Farida Abike Iamide and Adiba Jai Gadar. And let me just say... These two authors are powerhouse YA authors. They write bangers. They write fire novels that slap. Just letting y'all know that off rip. So ex-best friends Tiwa and Saeed must work together to save their Islamic center from demolition. Tiwa doesn't understand what made Saeed start ignoring her, but it's probably that fancy boarding school of his. Anyway, he's unexpectedly staying at home through the summer and she's determined to take a page from him and pretend he doesn't exist. So there's that. But when the Islamic Center accidentally catches fire, it turns out the mayor plans to demolish the center entirely. Shady, shady boots. 
So will all their efforts be enough to save the Islamic Center, save Saeed, and maybe even save their relationship? Listen, time will tell. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Four Eads and a Funeral by Farida Abike Iyamide and Adiba Jagadar for sponsoring this episode. All right, what do you have for us next? So in the vein of creepy houses or sinister houses, um, my second pick is Catherine House by Elizabeth Thomas. And so this book is set up that this is a college, it's a three-year college, but students have to promise to go onto campus and not leave for three years. And so they also have school in the summer, which is how they can finish college in three years. And so you apply and it's a very rigorous application process, but it's if you get in, it's fully paid. So we like move into college like with Inez, uh, Inez and she settles in. And one of the interesting things about this book is like, you know, something is wrong, right? Like it's really obvious. It's very creepy. There's this stuff called plasma and you're not sure what it is. And this book is one of the most divisive and frustrating books I saw on BookTube in 2020 when it came out. Everyone was talking about it. I love creepy houses. I was like, this sounds like, you know, a book for me, but I just didn't get a chance to pick it up. And I can understand why it is frustrating because you're like, ask more questions, honey. Like, why? Why are you just going along and doing whatever? And it's such a claustrophobic book because you start the story the moment she gets on campus. And it's a very much like, in one place, you know, it, it made me, you know, if you think of other big campus novels, like the, you know, when you're stuck at Hogwarts or, or whatever, like you're stuck in this place. And there are certain like, you're the story never goes over, leaves the grounds, you know, of the school. So I thought it was really fascinating. And it was actually deeply impactful. There's a lot of themes about nostalgia for university times, benefiting from a broken system. And because you benefit from that system that actually, you know, hurts other people, but you don't ask questions because you don't want to. And I thought that was a very interesting commentary on people of privilege or who are given access to privilege and how they're willing just to go along with sketchy stuff because they are benefiting from it. But if you go on Goodreads, let me tell you, (laughs) it is a 3.11 because people Hate so many people hate this book because it is frustrating and claustrophobic. But I think the message, like I feel like what the author is trying to say, I feel like everything fits. And actually, I finished it at two thirty in the morning last night Woo-hoo. in bed, lying next to my spouse, and I realized I had like tears on my face at the end of this book, and I didn't realize how deeply impactful this book was. I was not expecting that. It's just a very fascinating book with a lot to say. And it's not a long book either. Like, it's quite short. I started reading it a couple years ago and then didn't get all the way through it. Um, But it has always kind of stayed on my on my radar because I like you I love a good (laughs) creepy building story (laughs) house dormitory whatever I love a good dark academia story and I like the books that have a lot to say and have that that impact that you weren't that you weren't expecting. And it has a lot to say about loneliness, about, um, again, like nostalgia, about, you know, I feel like if you had a good college experience, especially if you had, I had a closed campus college experience. And uh, let me tell you, this brought me back to college and the weird rules that some colleges have. And like, they have like this whole thing where this plasma is is like this big secret thing and there are students who apply to be in the plasma program. And it's a very interesting story. I am very happy that I've read it. I would definitely be reading her next book, but I will say it is claustrophobic and it will be frustrating because she's not asking the questions she should be. And I think, you know, that's part of the story. That's, that's part of the problem that like the author's talking about. So I thought it was very interesting by the end, but I was frustrated with the reader. I feel like that was supposed to be frustrating. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that, and I was going to say that right there is like, you know, when I watch a thriller movie or a horror movie, that's one of the things that's like, why did you make that decision? Or why is no one asking questions about this very clearly not right situation? Yes. And there's just so many layers to this book. 
And it just surprised me in unexpected ways. It really had a lot, honestly, to do with mental health. There were so many themes about isolation, mental health, how people who are marginalized from society um, have greater challenges with mental health than other people. And I, I found it so fascinating that she packed so much into such a tiny little book. But yeah, definitely fall vibes. It's fall vibes are intense. So now is the time, folks. Like, <laughs> so go get Catherine House by Elizabeth Thomas. Let me know what you think. I'm excited to hear all of the, you know, extreme opinions because it's a love or hate book from what I've gathered. All right. Um, so my second pick is Blackwater Falls by Ozma Zayanek Khan. And this book uh, came out uh, less than a year ago, but this author has been a Book Riot favorite. Um, I've been hearing her name ever since I joined Book Riot a little over seven years ago, um, which, holy cow, I cannot believe it's been that long. Um, <laughs> and she has she has written fantasy novels. Um, she's also written, uh, she's written another mystery series. Uh, you may be familiar with her book, The Unquiet Dead which is what I had heard so many Book Riot people talk about. Um, but I was interested to start um, this one. It's the first in a new series. Um, so it takes place in a Colorado town south of Denver called Blackwater Falls with the murder of a teenager whose family uh, were refugees from Syria. They had only been living in the area of maybe like a year, maybe two. And she is found murdered and, and her body is positioned in the mosque where she and her family worshipped. Um, so right away, you've got really heavy themes here about immigration, uh, non-Christian religion. There's, uh, there's a group in town. There's a big uh, evangelical church that really holds sway. There is a very likely corrupt uh, sheriff who is not interested in finding out what happened here. And the main character in this book is Detective uh, Inaya Raman, and she is part of, I think it's called the Community Response Unit or something like that. But basically, it's a department in the police that is sent in when the regular cops have done stuff that requires oversight or they have not behaved properly in sensitive situations. So generally when the when Detective Raman and her coworkers show up, it is already not a good situation. The other police officers do not want them there. They have been behaving very badly. Um, there have been, um, you know, reports of police violence against marginalized communities. This is a very, and it takes place um, very, very timely, like right now, like they mention in the book about, yeah, I think some of these people were at the January 6th, in, sixth insurrection. Um, they mention the, they, uh, this gang of like these uh, Christian, Christian motorcycle, this Christian motorcycle gang that they, they like, show up and harass the the people of color in the community like the, they she describes them and one of them has a maga hat on and stuff like this is very very much a story of our current times so i mean the base they so they discover that um this teenager has been murdered and as they uncover more they find that there have been other murders issues in the community that either haven't been reported or haven't been acted on because of who was reporting them so, yeah, this book, I mean, I cannot pick, I could not have picked a more tonally different book than The Maid. This one is heavy. This one, if you want something, if you want a book that, you know, talks about the current, like every current issue that is affecting our society right now, I mean, this is it. You are just right there in the middle of it. Um, so it is definitely not an easy read, um, but it's very compelling. And just, yeah, it's just really, I d well written is just so vague. But yeah, it's a compelling story that has all of these layers to it, but you don't feel like you almost don't feel it because you're being pulled through the story. And one of the things about the author, um, which I did not realize until I started reading this. Um, so she, uh, the author actually has a PhD in international human rights law. So she knows her stuff. Like this is, she is very, very knowledgeable about 
this type of stuff with, you know, the intersection of uh, marginalized communities, policing, human rights, how those rights are violated. And oh my gosh, it's you can you can just tell she brings all of this knowledge and awareness and experience to these stories. And I think you could probably consider this a police procedural. But if you're looking for a police procedural, that questions the, you know, the, the, the structure of policing, the role of police in different communities, and like really kind of interrogates that. This is, this is definitely one to pick up. Yeah. Have you, um, I'm guessing probably, probably haven't read this one yet since it is so new, but have you read anything by Altman Sehana Khan? Yes, she is a huge favorite of mine. I read The Unquiet Dead when it came out, and I just became obsessed with her mystery novel. I haven't read her fantasy novels, but I just love her work. It's so detailed. And like you said, she has a you know a, a degree in war crimes, and that was the entire first book. So it was a very delicate topic, but she handled it really well. She was very well informed and was very... I feel like gave a respectful distance while not like pulling any punches at the same time, which is so hard like to have that balance. So I really appreciated her skill. She's just, and she's just a good storyteller. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ugh, I love, I love her books. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's, uh, she's, she's been a book riot favorite uh, for a long time. But yeah, if uh, you haven't picked up any of her books, now would be a great time to start. And like I said, she's got this is the first in the what they're calling the Blackwater Falls series. Um, but that is Blackwater Falls by Ozma Zahana Khan. I yes, uh, I didn't even know I didn't know she had another book out until well, there you go. Like you had it on this list, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and I think it's because it came out in November last year, I and I always like miss November and December releases for whatever reason. Oh yeah. I mean they, they get buried by all of the best of lists and stuff like that. So they do. So I'm gonna go back and make sure that when the second book comes out, I am better prepared. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is also coming out in November, apparently, because I'm like frantically Googling this because I'm so excited. <laughs> anyway, uh new releases that are coming out now, that's our that's our next stop. So Well, I was gonna say I think your your first pick is going to be so totally different from what I just finished talking about. So why don't you go first? (laughs) Okay. So I love a very specific brand of children's novel. They're very twee. They're very cute. They have a little magic and they have very funny, not funny names, but like- Whimsical? Whimsical. That is perfect. That is perfect. And you'll understand here shortly. Uh, So the title of the book um, is The Curious Vanishing of Beatrice Willoughby by G.Z. Schmidt. And oh, my stars. Okay, so we have six-year-old Beatrice Willoughby, who's obviously vanished. And she vanished at the Amadeuses, a prominent family in the town. They were having an All Hallows Eve party. And so this is set in a town called Nevermore, not to be confused with a different Nevermore or an Evermore, which are both different series by different middle grade people. So... (laughs) This this is so cute. It's so cute. So they were, you know, it's it's just one of those little towns full of like people doing the Halloween thing and then this girl disappears. And so that really begins this whole mystery of where on earth this girl went. And so the entire Amadeus family is kind of involved in this. And you're kind of trying to solve the mystery as the reader of what happened to this girl. And it sounds adorable. And I will be picking it up and probably gifting it to a lot of people because we're still waiting for Jessica Townsend to write the next is it Neverwhere, Neverwhere series. How many nevers do we have as children's series? A lot. A lot. But they're all adorable and cute. And I, I love that. They're very predictable in the best possible way, honestly. So would recommend middle grade. But um, this is the next one I will be picking up for fall because the cover is also super cute. Like, it's just ugh, so adorable. I cannot wait until... I have a, a, a niece or nephew who loves these books with me, but right now it's just me, and that's fine. <laughs> what's your What's your new release? Well, please? I'm going to take us all the way back to the completely to the other end of the spectrum here. But um, this book um, is perfectly nice. Neighbors by Kia Abdullah, and I have read uh, one of Kia Abdullah's uh, books called Next of Kin, and that was like if you want. 
a gut punch of an emotional trigger warning legal thriller that's very nuanced but really, really difficult. Like, it was amazing, but holy cow, what a book. So this is, uh, so I read that and I loved it. This is a departure from her uh, legal thrillers, and this is a more of a suburban domestic thriller. And so we have uh, Salma, uh, who she has just moved into this new suburban development with her family, her husband, her young, and her son. Um, they're from Bangladesh. They feel like they really need a fresh start. This is just the place to do it. But soon after they move in, Salma uh, sees her neighbor, who is white. Um, his name is Tom Hutton. He is ripping out the anti-racist banner that her son put in the front yard. Um, so Selma doesn't want to confront him, um, but she so she takes the banner inside and she just puts it up in the window. But the next morning, she wakes up and finds that her window has been smeared with paint. And so when she does ultimately speak to Tom, it does not go well. Um, essentially, battle lines are drawn between these two families. So you have... Uh, social tensions, racial tensions escalating, and it's clear that something big is coming and someone is going to get hurt. Um, so this, uh, this book asks, when your, when your dream home comes with nightmare neighbors, how far will you go to keep your family safe? So I love a good suburban thriller. And I think she's going to bring a lot of the nuance to this book that she has with her other ones and just really interweaving it with lots of darker or and heavier relevant topics. So I think this one is just going to be really, really interesting. Um, so again, that is Perfectly Nice Nayers by Kia Abdullah. And this is going to be out on September 12th. So many, so many stellar books coming out that I am just so excited. It's, it's my favorite time for book releases right now. So we have so many things to look forward to. Oh my goodness. We can get me started on literary fiction. I have like 10 books on my side table. So that's supposed to be my currently reading stack. Let me tell you. Anyway, <laughs> sidetrack. <laughs> so much bookish goodness in this episode, but yeah, we did it. Backlist TBR things. I feel like I knocked some, some great books out and created like, you know, six inches of space <laughs> on my shelf. So. <laughs> okay. All right. So that is our show. I want to thank everyone for listening. And of course, wonderful thank you to Jen Zink, who always fixes all of our mistakes and makes us sound great. So thank you to her for her magical powers. For show notes, you can head over to bookwrite.com slash listen. And for more bookish recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com. And of course, don't forget all of Book Riot's podcasts. You can go to bookriot.com slash listen, or you can just search Book Riot in your podcatcher of choice. If you would like to send an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at red or dead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me, Kendra, on Twitter and Instagram at KD, it's in Dylan Winchester. You can find Katie on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. Again, those will be linked in the show notes, and we will talk to you all next time. Bye.